I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. We are diving back into the Xerox era of Disney, the Dark Age of Disney, the post-Walt era of Disney. What would Walt have done? Whatever you want to call this era with the Aristocats. Um, yeah, this is a very, very interesting movie in the behind the scenes of it, because this is the first movie, the first animated movie to be uh, completely worked on and released after Walt's death. Uh, Jungle Book, which was the movie that came out previously, was the final movie that Walt had any involvement in before his passing. He passed before the movie was finished. This movie completely Waltless. Although uh, his brother Roy O. Disney, the other Disney brother in animation, did stick around and did work on this movie. Uh, this also was the last movie he worked on because he passed away shortly after the release of the movie, uh, which what which would, uh, if memory serves, coincide with the opening of Walt Disney World. But this is a but the other side. The other interesting thing about this movie is that uh, we talked about this when we talked about Pete's Dragon also long ago, in that the Aristocats was originally meant to be a TV special, much like uh, Pete's Dragon was, and was originally meant to be live action with real animals. Uh, apparently someone talked Walt out of it, and he gave the go-ahead to turn this into an animated film. And I'm going to be honest, I think this works better in animation than it would have in live action. Even though the rumor mill is now saying that a live action remake of this film is in production somewhere in Disney. But honestly, at this point, every single one of their animated movies is going to get a live action remake at one point. So I'm not surprised. But Kiki, do you think this would have done done well if this was a 60s 70s whatever live action tv special as opposed to an animated theatrical movie i think it would have been like herding cats quite literally yes (laughs) i have read and heard tell that they um had an earlier version of this and they wrote up like a full script for it and they sent it to I think it was to, to Walt before he died and that it came back with just like a big like unusable re- reject stamp on it or something. <laughs> Like, apparently the first version of the script was so bad that they they didn't even bother considering it. And that says a lot, because very rarely would Disney ever claim anything to be unusable, because they like to reuse everything. In this movie, you'll see a lot of it. Oh, yeah. There's some reused animation here and some animation that would become reused in other films. And we're reusing voice actors. Cause I mean... Reusing voice actors was a Disney staple by this point, so I'm not mad at it. Yeah, but it's like there was this is number two of three where Phil Harris is the lead character. At least he's not playing a bear in this one. Well, yeah, but also this is very much. I mean, we've talked about it before because the the Robin Williams genie thing gets the. Um, you know, gets the big, you know, stink stunt for ca- this. But casting? this is this is stunt casting in a lot of this because a lot of the people on here were 
um, you know, popular TV actors and and stuff at the time. You know, of course, you've got Ava Gabor doing Duchess. Um, but you've also got, like, um, Paul Winchell in here. And you've got Nancy Culp, who was on Beverly Hillbillies. And you've got Pat Buttram, who was on Green Acres with Ava Gabor. And you've got uh, George Lindsay, who was Goober on Andy Griffith and all. Um, And so, I mean, you got a lot of people in here who were um, big TV stars in the 60s using you know lending their voices and they're not changing it like they are speaking with their actual legit voices i dare you to make pat buttram use any other voice i mean he was known for that one you know mr haney type voice and that was the voice you were going to get out of him i mean he used it in in robin hood yeah but uh, you know the 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 point is disney for a lot longer than people want to admit was using star power stunt casting to get adults into the theater to watch this kids movie. Yeah. I mean, the kids probably wouldn't have understood it, but you know, the, the parents would have seen these names flash by on TV every week. Yeah. So. Oh, Ava Gabor's in this movie. Now I have to see it. I see her every week on green acres. Yeah. We've, we've, we've danced around since you mentioned voice actors. Um, I want to rip the Band-Aid off because this movie starts with a content warning. If you watch this movie on Disney+, Plus, as we did, there is big old content warning for insensitivity. And um, you mentioned Paul Winchell. Paul Winchell voices a Chinese cat. That in his during the everyone wants to be a cat song, his verse is all Chinese food names in a really bad Chinese accent. And he's playing the piano with chopsticks. And the animation is just so racist. I mean, way more racist than the We Are Siamese, if you please, song. His character name is literally Chinese Cat. Like, you have Chinese cat, English cat, Italian cat, Russian cat, and scat cat. Well, like it, I mean, technically his technically his his name is Shingon. But, yeah, I mean, at the time, it was weirdly progressive because it was trying to show the multicultural nat- nature of Paris at the turn of the century, which was a thing. Paris was kind of a hub for uh, a lot of art and trade and stuff. And so this was, at the time, weirdly progressive that they had this, like, not only kind of pan-European group of cats, but also, you know, the the Asian cat coming in and, and stuff like that to be in this American-influenced jazz band, you know? Mm-hmm. In Paris in 1910. In Paris in 1910. So it's interesting that... At the time, this was Disney attempting to be like, hey, look how open and free Paris at the time was, which in a way, not inaccurate. However, as the disclaimer on the film says, there are cultural insensitivities here, wrong then, wrong now. There are stereotypical ways they are drawing 
this cat and all that kind of stuff in particular that are just really, really terrifically bad. Don't do that. You know, you can portray that it is an Asian character without doing that. Also, I mean, like I said, Paul Winchell, Chinese cat voiced by a white guy. Yeah, in a very stereotypical way. So, you know, don't do that. Yeah. But um, points for at least attempting to show the. I mean, they immediately lose all those points for the way in which they they do at least that one cat. But mm-hmm. you know that at least somebody was like, hey, you know, Paris in 1910 had like a lot of people from a lot of different places. Let's show that by way of these alley cats playing jazz. And everybody was like, that's a good idea, you know? Mm-hmm. And then somebody's like, you know, it would be really funny if we had a Chinese cat and... Hey, Paul, can you do your really racist Chinese impression? Like, you know. And then it all went well, downhill. Well, what but... do we have the Chinese guy... What do we have the Chinese cat sing? Uh, give me that Chinese menu from the restaurant down the street. We'll just write down some food names. Yeah. But, but yeah, but eh, it, it it's... What are you going to do? It was the late 60s. Um, yeah. The the thing is, though, is that that is awful. And at least they've admitted to it. The thing I'm going to say that is more awful to me because they've never apologized for it is how does Disney make cats so boring? This is a movie about cats and this is one of the most boring Disney movies I've ever seen in my life. Ooh, did not did not like it, huh? This is my first watch. I kind of missed out on this movie growing up. Don't know why. One of those weird ones that I just kind of skipped over somehow mm. as a kid. Uh, it happens. But this this movie bored the absolute stuffing out of me. I think a lot of it comes to the um this kind of falls into what we've talked about before in that this is less a movie and more a series of shorts starring the same characters i don't know this this feels like it's a more coherent movie than some you know than like the winnie the pooh or you know whatever the, the the ones we've talked about before that are that thing mm-hmm. or the alice in wonderland or whatever mm-hmm that has those problems i think it's because like it needed more songs and also if you read the background of this movie they had the sherman brothers working on this movie and then they scrapped like all the sherman brothers songs except for the first two that show up in the movie the one that's performed by maurice chevalier over the the opening credits mm-hmm. um and, and the one sung by the kids and the and the one where the kids are practicing their piano. The the one that the movie like really wants you to like remember, which is the the O'Malley Alley Cat song and the Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, which you're like, hmm, this feels like it should be the banger of the movie, and neither of them are. And those are the two that apparently the Sherman brothers wrote other songs for. And then they were like, eh, we're going to trash these and we're going to have other people write songs instead. I mean, it's I think it's trying to sell that great. It's Phil Harris singing this song. It's Scatman Crothers singing this song. Which I'm fine. But why can't those two people sing songs by the Sherman brothers who are a known entity that turn out? absolute fire again and again and again by this point i don't know i mean the two songs that are in the movie that they wrote are not exactly memorable not their best but also their their exposition songs they're not showstoppers give the sherman brothers a showstopper song 
why why did you throw that out? Who knows? I mean, I'm pretty sure those songs exist somewhere. They've probably been released in some sort of rarity collection somewhere. I I don't know. Um, the the Wikipedia lists a a song called La Jazz Hot that they wrote instead of Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. Now the thing is, is that La Jazz Hot is a number from Victor Victoria, the musical, mm-hmm. which is not a song written by the Sherman Brothers. More than you know, multiple songs can have the same. Well, yeah, I mean it's a it's it's fine, um, but the thing is, is that it has apparently never been released. Mm. And um, they also wrote a song called My Way's the Highway that became the Thomas O'Malley Yally Cat song, which they said was a, a very similar song. But... The Sherman Brothers song was like way more orchestrated, a little more jazzy, a little more. And they simplified it for the the movie. I mean, Thomas O'Malley does the job of introducing the the O'Malley character. I don't know what else they wanted to do. Maybe it was going to be at a different point in the movie. I don't know. And also, there was supposed to be a villain song in this, but there were supposed to be two villains in this. I I did want to get to it. There was going to be a second villain. While the main villain in the movie is the butler, there was going to be a second villain, which was going to be the maid. uh, Elvira. Yeah. Not the mistress of the dark. Yeah. Although that would be awesome if they ever remake this movie. Cassandra, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> Get over here. Put yeah. on that dress. Elsa Lancaster was going to play uh, Elvira the maid, and they were going to be this team up and to get rid of the cat so they can have the inheritance. And they ultimately decided to cut the maid from the movie to streamline the film more, which in a way I understand. But the butler by himself is very boring he's not a very good villain but it's almost like they designed him to not be a good villain well and it's one of the reasons why the movie is so boring like we've talked before about disney villains and you can say like while i don't mind the the new disney thing of like our villain is more a situation or a thing we need to learn or overcome like if you're gonna be an old school disney movie with like an actual bad guy your bad guy needs to pop and this dude just doesn't and maybe if it was a twofer like you know Mm -hmm. but they were gonna have like a duet that was gonna be their villain song Maybe it would have been better. Who knows? Because it's like there's not much for him to do. Uh, let's kind of get into it since we're already talking about it. We have because uh, Edgar, the butler, he's our villain. His whole thing is that he overhears um, the madame, the madame, the madam, the the who is this very rich former opera singer and and her lawyer discussing her last will and testament and she plans to give all of her money all of her the house everything to her cats because uh, as she says she has no living family members we know nothing else we don't know if she had or has any children or had or has a husband she just simply says she has no living relatives and that is all we get so she has no living relatives. She is going to leave all of her estate to the cats and leave her butler, Edgar, as their caregiver. And Edgar is going, no. After all of these years of service, after 
spending all my time with this woman everything for all of these years she's gonna give her money to the cats no way i gotta get rid of these cats and then i will be the sole beneficiary of the estate edgar you freaking idiot cats cannot spend money cats don't care i understand that this is a disney animated movie and the cats have human emotions and human thinking but even when the cats are not with madame and they're off in the french countryside with o'malley they're not thinking about money they're thinking i need to get home because the madame needs us because the madame loves us that is all they're thinking they're not thinking about money they're not thinking about luxury they're not thinking about anything else except we need to get home because the madame is going to worry about us and in real life cats don't care about that either cats just want to just walk around and, and be cats edgar my dude you could have been made in the shade as the quote caregiver as the quote power of attorney of these cats you would have been made in the shade you would have had the money in hand you would have been controlling this estate because cats cannot do that this lady has probably had some sort of issue that she's leaving it to her cats <laughs> i don't yeah. know we don't, we don't know how old this lady is <laughs> The thing is, is that people who leave their estates to pets with a caregiver, they really just want to make sure that that animal has, like, a good life for as long as it can once they're gone. That's it. So, like, there's, like, a person there who makes sure that whoever is going to get the money after the the dog or cat or whatever finally does die takes care of the pet for as long as possible in a certain standard of luxury and pamperedness and whatever for as long as the animal can be like that's really what those those contracts are about is like you get all my money but to get all my money, you have to spend a certain number of years pampering this dog or cat or whatever. It's possible Edgar didn't really want to do that. She's, uh, he seems to not really care much about the madame or the lawyer or the cats in general. But the thing is, is like if you don't want to do that personally, you can always just hire somebody else. Like all that all that is need to fulfill those contracts usually is just that the animal is cared for like that's it like he could have always just hired a maid and been like you feed and pamper the cats they can stay in this room you know mm -hmm. like he would have probably never even had to have seen that like buy the cats their own apartment this woman is like super de duperty wealthy or whatever mm -hmm. you know um because honestly, this this frequently comes up of like people like trying to get rid of a of an animal so they can inherit or whatever. And it's like one, usually if you're talking about like that amount of money, unless the animal ends up with some kind of like super horrific disease. It's not going to eat up like that much of your inheritance to take care of the animal. Like I was a pet sitter for a while. Most animals, especially if they if they've been pampered animals, mm -hmm. like I never took care of the animals of like the mega wealthy, but I took care of some like, you know, people with money. And those animals were usually like super easy to care for because they were just overfed and lazy and they were like oh are you here to walk me and give me a treat very well then yes i will take scritches behind the ears like they they did not care 
Like, <laughs> easiest animals ever. <laughs> like, yeah, but he goes over. Edgar goes overboard with it. Like, you know, like, okay, dude, cats only live for what? 10, like, 15 years? Well, in 1910, yeah, maybe like, like he gives the average age of a cat then about 12 years. Okay. Like, with today's veterinary medicine and stuff, you know, 15 to 18 years, maybe for a cat. Then um, he goes overboard. But cats have nine lives, and that's nine to, Like, that's not how it works. Yeah, I mean, yes, you know, it's it's a children's movie and stuff. But, like, yeah, in 1910, with the best veterinary medicine then... Still, you know, the oldest cat was maybe 15 or so. Like, come on, you know? And just, like, have them spayed and neutered. But, like, he goes through all of this big thing. He tries to put sleeping pills, and then he's going to drown them. And, like, like, uh, you could have been made, dude. But no, you had to be selfish. You had to be so, so stupid. I mean, also, let's point out here. When this woman kicks it, he goes from being a working man. You know, a a butler. To being wealthy and also cats. Like, dude, you get. Not only just a bunch of money, but also free cats. What are you complaining about? Maybe he doesn't want cats. It's never really explained in the movie. And I wish that would have been explained in the movie where maybe he just doesn't like working for this old lady. He doesn't like the cats, but it's a job he's taking it. And then the last straw is I worked myself to the bone for you for whoever knows how many years and you're giving your money to the cats. I don't know if Disney in the 1960s, 1970s would have that level of story thought. But it feels like that could have been explained better. But then again, this is Walt Disney, the anti-union guy. So throwing your arms up in the air. I mean, I think she's being like really nice to him. Like. Mm -hmm. You get all of my estate. Just spend a few years making sure my cats also live the rest of their lives being happy. Like, just don't throw my cats out on the street when I'm gone. But I want to throw the cats out on the street when you're gone. <laughs> like, that's it. That's it. That that's not that's not a bad. Like, if, a bad somebody, if somebody was going to give me like oh, a whole bunch of money and they were like, and take care of my, you know, pet lizard or something i'd be like you dope sounds awesome you know Mm -hmm. it's like bunch of money and free lizard sweet but he's also an idiot because he tries to do this he tries you know he, he he puts sleeping pills in the cat's cream puts them in a bassinet throws them off a bridge in the in the french countryside and then gets chased by two dogs which he which forces him to leave his hat and umbrella in the location, which is evidence. So now he has to go all the way back out to the countryside to get the evidence to absolve him of the crime because, oh, hey, I'm in the newspaper. They're calling it a genius move. I'm famous. Oh, crap. I'm famous. Oh, crap. I left my 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 belongings at the scene of the crime. They're going to connect it to me. I got to go back or I'm going to jail. He's not this great criminal mind that he claims to be. And he's his whole. It's really weird when the villain is the comic relief. Yeah, I mean, you can have sidekicks to the villain be the comic relief, but the villain villain needs to not be. Like, maybe if the maid was still in the story, she would have been, like, the lead villain, and Edgar would have been the sidekick who has to do all the dirty work, 
and gets to be the comic relief, and that would have been fine. Yeah. I mean, like, in 101 Dalmatians, Cruella is the villain, and she's, you know, she's the the main person. And then her sidekicks are the comic relief who are constantly screwing things up. You can have that dynamic. You can have Scar and the hyenas. You can have Gaston and LeFou. But you can't have this guy be like the evil villain mastermind and the screw up and still have the movie work well. In my opinion. Yeah. I I don't know. That's my only complaint with with the villain character, with, with, with Edgar here. Because it's like either he's really seriously, not necessarily evil, but maybe going more greedy. But having him be the villain and the comic relief does water down the movie a bit. Yeah. The, the speaking of villains and all, you said, you know, hey, they've reused a lot of stuff. And the one thing that throws me because it's supposed to be the person you're like rooting for and that you love. But they reused the animation for the evil stepmother in Cinderella to be Madame, the sweet, loving woman who cares for the cats in this mm-hmm. and it throws me off because all of those poses and the way her her face works at a distance like when they do close-up shots of her they soften her face to make her more kindly but from a distance and the way she holds her body and everything it is the evil stepmother from Cinderella because they're reusing those poses and those animation cells. Um, And especially like her at the window being worried about the cats is that famous scene of the stepmother at the window at Cinderella. And it's like, no, I can't buy this as sweet little old lady worried about her cats. Cause all I can think of is evil stepmother. You know? Yeah. So it's the wrong vibe because the the artwork was originally drawn for menacing. And you're trying to make it kindly and beloved old lady-ish. Yeah, there is something to the, the exact pose. And it doesn't, you can't just be like, I'll pull out random old lady. And just reuse that. It's that, yes, they're both aristocratic, wealthy old women, but the way they hold themselves needs to be different because one pose gives off, I'm evil, and one pose gives off, I'm worried about my little kitties. You know, like... Mm-hmm. And it just it it kept throwing me because when they do the close ups, they they draw the facial features a little more softer and it's not as angular and and stuff. But when they use the distance shots, they're just reusing the old animation from Cinderella and half the movie this woman spins as evil. And half the movie She's like, oh, look, Kitty, you know, like. I mean, she is rich. Well, yes, I mean, we we should all eat the rich, but it's. It's not the, the correct vibe for half the movie. I mean, and now that I say it, the aristocratic rich person is we're supposed to sympathize with her and the hardworking blue collar man is the villain. Or white collar worker is the villain. I'm just saying. I'm yeah, just saying. it is a a bit like that. But 
again, like you said, this this was rubber stamped by Walt just before his death, and he he did have issues. Um, I mean, the whole movie is a very long. The Butler did a joke. Yeah. I I do want to I do want to make note about two of my favorite things. Like all the all the names in here are jokes about other things. Yeah, there's several um, character there are several characters that are named after French historical figures. Yeah, but the the two things that I like best are the ones that are not named after French historical figures. Hmm. Which is that um the horse is named Fru-Fru. Mm-hmm. Which I like. Um and then my favorite thing was that the mouse is named Rockford, which is a type of cheese. Sterling Holloway. Another yeah. Sterling Holloway appearance in these movies. But I just love that they were like, what should we name the mouse? Uh, a type of French cheese. So going back to what we have, the uh, the two dogs are Napoleon and Lafayette. Everyone's favorite fighting Frenchman. Yep. <laughs> and of course, the three kittens, Berlioz, Marie, and Toulouse. Obviously, Marie is named after Marie Antoinette. Toulouse was a famous French painter. And Berlioz was a famous French pianist. And that's their personalities. Cat that plays piano, cat that paints, and sassy lady. She and does, although Marie does have one of the best lines in the movie, a lady doesn't start fights, but she can finish them. <laughs> well, I mean, Marie Antoinette didn't really finish that fight. Uh, but I mean, you know. I mean, she did get a she did get ahead of the situation. Yeah. But I'm uh, I will say that this movie spawned a meme a few years back. Uh, our two goose ladies here has a little bit of a theme song. And that theme song became a meme on TikTok and Instagram. Their little waddle away song, their little waddling away. Yeah, and then people started just recording themselves waddling away from the camera with a little caption of what they were going to waddle away to. So, yeah, that that, that became a meme for a while. Yeah, and the thing is, they waddle from the French countryside all the way back to Paris to meet the goose's Uncle Waldo who is going to be served at a French restaurant. Well, the thing is, is like you say the French countryside to Paris, but the thing is like, he didn't drive that far. He drove maybe an hour or two outside of Paris on his motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how long they were in that truck. Because that's the thing is that O'Malley gets them in the back of the truck, his magic carpet, mm-hmm. the milk delivery truck. So if the milk delivery truck is making a delivery of the morning's milk from the farms just outside of Paris into the city of fresh milk for the morning, that is not that cannot be a very long drive. True. So they've probably already gone most of the distance. Mm. Mm, true. But I will say, and we've talked about this before, uh, O'Malley had an out because as soon as he meets Duchess, he starts instantly flirting with her. Your eyes are like sapphires and totally putting on the charm. And then, yes, it's just the two of us, the three of us, the four of us, the five of us. And at at first, he's like, I'm done here. This chick's got kids. 
I don't want anything to do with no kids. And within 24 hours, he's like, your, 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 your kids could use a father figure in their life. And, you know, I'm not really doing anything. Quick turnaround. Yeah, I'm kind of sick of that storyline. Can I just say, I, I want a storyline where, you know, the guy's like, oh, you got kids. I love kids. And then it just moves on. Yeah. Speaking of, we don't know who these kittens' father is. The kittens mentioned that they've never had a father, but they had to come from somewhere. Well, I mean, this is a rich woman with a purebred Angora cat. So probably found another purebred Angora cat and bred it. Possible. Because that's what rich people do. Mm. And decided to keep three of the kittens? Well, I mean, that that might have been the entire litter. Possibly. So, yeah, eventually they do make it back to to the to the Madame's mansion and Edgar has Edgar craps his pants. He's like, nope, you can't be back here. I threw you in the river. You all should be dead. You are not here. You know what? I'm going to send you somewhere for when you can't come back and send them. Uh, try to send them to Timbuktu. And then we get the big chase scene and the big fight scene. It's for again, for this era of Disney, it's actually pretty decently animated where all of the cats that we've met up in the movie so far fight Edgar. There is a nice funny scene of of, of the mouse going to Scat Cat's gang saying, hey, O'Malley's in trouble. He needs your help. And they're all running to the mansion. And this one French dude at a restaurant is seeing, from his perspective, a mouse chasing a herd of cats and just pours the wine out. Yeah, I love that that's the thing that makes, like, the the French guy go sober off of wine. <laughs> he was like, nope, 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 I'm starting to hallucinate mice chasing cats, so we're we're going to go sober now. Eventually, Edgar gets gets locked in the chest, and he's off to Timbuktu. Uh, I'm pretty sure Edgar is dead, because there's no air holes in that box. He was probably knocked unconscious as he got in there. Uh, I'm pretty sure Edgar died on the way to Timbuktu. I mean, depending on how long the ship took, I'm pretty sure that's not an airtight container, but he probably would have starved or uh, died of thirst before uh, anything else. The thing is, though, is I think my favorite part of that fight scene is when... You know, he he puts the uh, Duchess and her kittens in the trunk with the the label, and then he puts a combination padlock on it. And then he's fighting with all, you know, Scat Cat and his crew and O'Malley and everything. And Rockford is trying to crack the padlock. But he can't hear because of all the the noise of the fight. And he screams, quiet! And everybody just freezes in place. I think and that's he the does first the I've... safe cracking bit. I think that's the first time I ever heard Sterling Holloway scream in one of these movies. Yeah, it's really funny. But, and then he like, he like listens very carefully for the tumbler. And then he cracks open the padlock, and then everybody just resumes fighting really noisily. <laughs> it is funny. And again, there are funny moments. It's a great moments. gag. Yeah. There are funny moments in this movie, but it's like. It's very few and far between. Yeah. But after all of this, after the fight, after after Edgar is sent to Timbuktu, we see that the Madame has fully adopted O'Malley into the family. And curiously wonders where Edgar went off to. That Edgar just went off and had a trip somewhere. Too bad he didn't know about the will. He didn't know that he was in it. Yeah, because she knows, because she's a rational person, that he would have inherited her her entire estate. 
The bit about the cats was not a burden. <laughs> well, Edgar thought it was. I guess he didn't really want to take care of the cats. He didn't want the cats in, at all. I don't know. But yes, uh, O'Malley is now permanently part of the family. And she has taken her her mansion and has made it a a house for stray cats. All of the stray cats in Paris now live in her house and have jazz parties every night. Yeah, jazz parties. That's what we're calling it now. Uh, Disney movie. You still have to, I mean, yes, jazz parties. <laughs> we get something that would become a staple of, like, DreamWorks movies, because we get the oh, the end of movie jam session where every character is singing the song. Yeah, and we get Napoleon going like, movie ain't over until Isaiah's over, because I'm the boss. And then the words, the end, hit him in the head, and he's like, okay, movie's over. Napoleon is a great character, because he can tell things just by hearing it. It's, it's a motorcycle with a bad wheel. It's a guy. He's got squeaky shoes, hole in one of them, and they're black. <laughs> yeah, I I think my favorite part of that gag is it's a one-wheeled haystack. <laughs> that was that was the the culmination of that joke, I think. Mm. And Pat Buttram really delivered that well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's the Aristocats. Uh, there was plans. For uh, a sequel to the movie, uh, apparently this sequel would have been CG animated and would have uh, would have centered around Marie, who becomes smitten with another kitten as the family is on a cruise ship and there's Jewel Thief on the cruise ship. But the project was canceled when it was decided that they were no longer going to be doing direct-to-video animated movies. And based on what I just said, I'm actually glad because that movie didn't, doesn't sound very good. Apparently, also a ser- an animated series was going to be was going to happen uh, in, in the 2000s. Uh, would have featured the kittens now as teenage cats having adventures, but also that that series never happened. Uh, again, I, I think that was for the best because the idea of these three kittens going from being children to being teenagers and having teenage adventures in, I assume, 1920s Paris. I don't know how that would have translated into a Saturday morning cartoon. Because even when they did 101 Dalmatians as an animated series, they did bring it into the modern day. I don't know if that'll work for the Aristocats. Yeah. As we mentioned earlier, a live action adaptation is in the works over at Disney. Apparently, Questlove has been attached to the movie. As the director, which I find interesting. Yeah, and that's all we know. Nothing has come up from that since. Uh, who knows? I mean, we are getting the the Lion King sequel this year, so maybe that'll be the next one on the on the list. I don't know. I don't even know if this movie's ever going to happen. Who knows? But Kiki, uh, I kind of already know your answer, but let's get to it. Does the Aristocats have the magic? No. It, it's boring. I'm sorry. If you loved this as a kid and it still holds nostalgia for you, then, you know, bless you and go in peace. But I think if you're like me and you're watching it as an adult, it's it's not a very good Disney movie. I'm going to say yes, but it's not going to go on any of my favorite Disney movie lists. Like, there's parts of this movie that are really good. I hate to say that this is a bad movie. Uh, yeah, it, but it's not It's not anywhere top tier. But uh, I will say that it has, it has some magic. Not a lot, but it has some magic. I, I think... 
you know, it's what you said about Soul that the the worst thing a movie can be is boring, and this this bores me. Mm. So that that's why I say no. It's just, I, just it mostly bores me. Mm. The concept in this movie would be done a lot better in future movies and even in past movies. I would say 101 Dalmatians did this better than than this. But I still think it has some magic. Uh, moving on to next week, uh, we are going back to the world of Pixar. We are talking about Brave. And wow, there's a lot we can talk about this movie. So, yeah. I made my mother a cake. She turned into a big bear. <laughs> I forgot how the rest of that line goes from Ralph Breaks the Internet. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's it's bears. It's bear. It's mother that turns into a bear and a girl with bow. And yes, we will be talking about that next week. So come back next week for Pixar's Brave. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversations on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Rewatching the Magic. We are on the X, formerly known as Twitter, at Rewatch the Magic. And new episodes are available every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. Podcasts are fun. But there's work to be done. We encourage you to get involved. Here are some organizations we support. The American Civil Liberties Union fights for the constitutional rights of all Americans. Find them at ACLU.org. The National Network of Abortion Funds helps people find access to safe abortion services. Their site is abortionfunds.org. The Trevor Project provides a 24-7 crisis helpline for LGBTQ youth and education services for schools on LGBTQ issues. They can be found at thetrevorproject.org. Or find a way to help in your area.